And welcome to Mellow Cats Expert Chat, where we do help you upgrade your cat's lifestyle. Now, we know that cats are complex creatures and their behavior can be influenced by a variety of unknown variables. So instead of just Googling, that's what I'm thinking a lot of times, why not just ask the experts? So that's why we have Krista Schull and she is here today to talk about some of the most common issues that cat parents face when it comes to our cat's behavior. Now we'll be diving into the world of cats to find out what makes them tick and how can we better understand our kitties from training issues to consultations. So without further ado, everyone, please do welcome Krista with me. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So a little bit about you, just so everyone can get to know you a little bit better. I know that you're a fear-free, positive, sorry, let me say that again. I know that you're a fear-free, force-free, positive reinforcement cat trainer and behavior specialist that's helping cat families in Toronto and across Canada as a feline behavior coach and a voluntary cat behavior counselor with one of Canada's biggest cat rescues. So that's Toronto Cat Rescue. So we're in for a ride today. A lot of stuff that I got to ask you about. So let's get right into it. First question is, what are some common issues that cat parents consult about when they come to you? Okay, it's an ongoing, typically I would get aggression and inappropriate elimination. Mm. So it can range anywhere from, there's so many different forms of aggression. It can start from even petting aggression all the way up to territorial aggression. Then we have inappropriate elimination of whether that's defecating or urinating outside of the litter box or both. This can come from a new move to perhaps a big change in their life or health issues. So it's about, it can be pretty complex. It's about getting to the motivation. So other than inappropriate in elimination and aggression, is there any other common stuff that people come to you for? Absolutely. Another one of the most common ones would be what we call in the industry FAS, fear, anxiety, and stress. This could also be a result of inappropriate elimination, aggression. It could be very well a new cat in the household, getting another cat with the resident cat in the household work going on around the home. Another cat outdoors is a big one as well. So yeah, fear, anxiety, and stress is a big one as well. When you're not providing the adequate enrichment in your home for them to be able to feel protected, competent, or safe. So whether it be high elevated spaces, boxes, some cats prefer to be to retreat into a lower box to feel confident and comfortable. So when you say about these, the FAS response, right? So I'm trying to conceptualize it in a way that it's normal for cats to do. It's a problematic behavior for the receiving end because mm-hmm. we're the one that have the house and have to make sure that the house is at peace. But really to them, it's normal. Just like scratching the sofa and scratching yeah. the yeah. curtains are normal because scratching is yeah. normal. It's not acceptable, yeah. but it's normal. So yeah. is that kind it's of survival. like that? Yeah, it's survival mechanism. I'll always say, and I'll always go back to predator prey. It's a survival mechanism. They're engineered or to always feel that they need to survive. And then it just, it's exactly the same. Yeah. Mm, so I think that's something that's very important for us cat parents to just bear in mind for yeah. a lot of things is, yes, it's normal, but is not acceptable. So let's do something about it. Maybe redirect it, maybe correct the course of action, but it's not a bad thing. It's not like an no. inherently evil thing. No, and here's the one thing you need to pay attention to, the pet parents need to pay attention to as well, is that oftentimes over-grooming is associated with perhaps Mm. the cat's feeling anxious. But what can be overlooked big in those cases is that it could be pain-related as well. So that's why it's also very important to go get a physical, and over tip of the nose, the tip of the tail check. The cat happens to be hiding a lot and over-grooming. Once that's ruled out, then we can start working on potential fear, anxiety, and stress. And being able to provide things. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see that. Yeah, because a lot of times I don't think people see the so-called problematic behavior as the tip of the iceberg. They see that in itself as a behavior. It's almost like slapping a Band-Aid on something. Oh, if I can get rid of that, then that's fine. Yeah. I'm like, no, there's something a lot bigger that's happening under the surface that you do not know. It's the same for humans. Like, for example, if I resort to violence every time somebody says something that triggers me, then are yeah. you really going to put a bandage on the violence itself and just stash all my knives and guns and everything? Or yeah. are you going to understand and see why do I do that? So it's like that too, yeah. right? 
Exactly right. It's, it's understanding communication. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. It's communication. Oh. So you're going to figure out what they're trying to communicate at the same time. Somebody once told me this great thing in that, you know, if a cat, for example, is feeling in pain or discomfort or even feeling some fear and anxiety, it's like having a really bad sunburn and you're at the beach with your friend and they keep tapping that really bad sunburn. How many times are you going to take that before you say or lash out at them? Yeah, absolutely. So something to bear in mind, I think animals generally are quite, they're not simple in the sense that they're simple minded, but I think the way that they operate is a lot more simple than we we think. think. And sometimes when we don't complicate it ourselves as the human, I think we're already doing the work and not making it worse. Yeah, yeah. We tend to overcomplicate things a lot or overthink things a lot or take it to the end where you need to figure out from the beginning and Mm -hmm. figure out what the, uh, why the cat is doing this, for example. Yeah. And sometimes Mm -hmm. I tell my clients, it's like asking children very complex questions in life or things that don't seem to have a simple answer. When you ask small toddlers and you ask them really tough questions. So why, why do people have a divorce? Why do people get fat? And they'll tell you these one word answers, like, because they ate too much or it's just yeah. stop eating. Just don't yeah, eat yeah. that much. It's like, we didn't make you yeah. eat. That's what yeah. my nephew said when he was a kid. Yeah, yeah. It's simple. Yeah. Sometimes actually you need to look at the most simple thing to figure out the answer without trying to jump ahead or trying to overcomplicate things. Exactly. Medical stuff aside, I think Mm -hmm. that child's answer has a lot of grain of truth in it. Like you could say, yes, some food is more comforting. It's more addictive. It's nice to eat. But then he is right. Nobody made me put just stuff that bag of chips down my throat. But of course, in the cat world, we are responsible. We as parents are. Actually, if you can see it too, and cats and children are a lot alike too. Cats don't overthink things and they're pretty simple and clear with their communication as well. If they had a one word answer, I'm sure that they would be able to verbally speak a one word answer. If they have a one behavior that is offline, that is their one word. So it's yeah. about figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that. It's, I think it's one of the best things that we can do. Just keep it simple. Yes, Absolutely. Yeah. So I I guess those are also, from my experience as a rescuer, that's one of the top reasons that people abandon their cats as well. And surprisingly, a lot of these things are quite fixable if we go to the right people for help. Now, is there anything that in your experience is not solvable? Like I know that we may or may not know everything or every cat. Have you ran into anything that you're like, no, this is mission impossible? Yeah, unfortunately, I have, you know, with one of my recent cases where it really came down to the health of the cat and lack of transparency on the cat parents part and not communicating to me exactly what was going on. So in order to tackle that inappropriate elimination being urinating outside the litter box, uh, it was not solvable or manageable only because the treatment that the cat needed being a diabetic wasn't being followed through. So that for me was, and for the cat, obviously was not solvable. But in my experience, a lot of it is manageable when there's cooperation, communication, transparency, and the desire to want to succeed. Hmm. Yeah, it seems like that's something that I hear across different industries, not just cat industries, is that compliance. Because I guess there's something that's different between vets and cat behaviors or even dog trainers versus people's industries where we go to a doctor or if we go to a counselor where we are the direct client. But in this case, we're the paying party, but we're not exactly the party that's directly benefiting, so to say. We are indirectly, but the party is the cat. So I heard someone say this before, and this was from a vet in Taiwan, and I thought it was really true. He said that this industry, vet um, trainers or behaviorists, it's basically predicated on altruistic behavior because the owners or the parents have to understand that they're paying for something that they may or may not benefit directly from. So I do feel that when you say there is an issue when it comes to compliance, sometimes not just from the money aspect of things, but that they don't really see the connection. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. It could be also that they don't want to invest the time. It can be overwhelming for them. It could also be that they don't believe it or they're in denial. They figure it's got to be an easier solution. So I think it's just about getting across to them that these things take work and we've got to figure out what the motivator is for these behaviors. And if they're open and being willing to be honest as possible, I can help find out any adjacents that are going on in the environment. But definitely it's hard because when they approach me, oftentimes they think I'm going to have a solution for them right away. 
without mm. anticipating the amount of work and attention that needs to go into it. So it definitely, or in, in cases where this cat needed to be medicated or managed for their diabetes, they were against administering insulin for that matter. Mm. So it all, it was a big issue. So it definitely is. It can be an issue. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess part of your work actually goes into consulting for the person as well before, sometimes even before you get to get into the cat issues. Is that correct? Absolutely. I even consider taking on some education myself in not necessarily psychotherapy, but learning to communicate or at least some sort of human behavior as well as cat behavior, believe it or not. Because a lot of times it, it, it's not just a cat issue, so to speak. It can be very well a human issue as well. And being a third party, like you said, I'm not behind closed doors. When we get off the phone or when we're not corresponding in the middle of the night via email, it's up to them and in their hands to follow through with what I've been able to provide for them as far as knowledge. And, yeah, um, it's true. You know what they say, right? For some kindergarten teachers or even teachers in general, they always say that teaching the kids is not the hard part. It's getting the parents to be part of yeah. it, to get involved is the harder part. You have to break through the parent's barrier. That's what it is. I Absolutely. guess that's the same thing. So I completely agree. Please yeah. do that. Please do that. If yeah. For the sake of helping more animals. For me, it's the same when I rescue. I, I do run into, I'm just going to call them stubborn or people who choose to be neglectful in a way that, that they just don't want to listen. They're just shut out. They're just shutting everything out. And sometimes I just have to beg, I have to talk to them, I have to pacify them just so that we can save the animals that are suffering. So I completely so, feel it. Some cat parents take offense to it as well. So you've got to be really careful, very intentional on in how you choose your approach because you oh, don't definitely. want the opposite to happen. It's a very thin line. Oh, of course. And everybody's different. So that's where sometimes it's just everything in use, social skills, just empathy, listening skills, everything. It's just like dealing with anybody. Or dealing with the cat. Or dealing thing. with the cat. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that too. Now, we often hear people say we mistakenly apply human logic to cats and the world. Is there an element of truth in that? And when you hear that. Can you give us some examples or say, well, so that cat parents can use it as a reflection when they're doing something along those lines? Because I think I might be guilty of that quite I some mean, time. We all are. I think it's human behavior and that we communicate with people on a daily basis and we're out in the world and communicating. And, you know, it could be just a good example of a lot of times people assume that because their cat is inappropriately eliminating, for an example, that it's spiteful. And that they try and reflect on what's happened in their life lately. There's been a new romantic relationship in their life, or they just had a baby, or they've just worked longer hours. They think that the cat is being spiteful or mad at them for the eliminating. Hmm. They think it's, or another example would be off or down, or if they want to get them off the countertops type of thing. If the cat doesn't quite understand, they get frustrated. They definitely see it as spiteful behavior, or that they're being ignorant or not intelligent or aloof. Yeah. And I think if I was to reflect on some of the cases that I've dealt with, or even myself, I think in some cases, not all, but in some cases, it can be a reflection of our own resentment towards the situation or our own interpretation of something. I said it in another episode, I always jokingly bicker with some of my friends. And I said, do you pee on your cats or do you pee on your parents' beds when you hate them? You <laughs> yes. Why would you think and your cat does? Yeah, you've got to really look at it as well. They're no different than humans in that manner. They've got a motivation and they've got a reason why they're doing things like we do as well as humans. A lot of the time it's survival mode for cats as well. It's a form of communication. They can't speak English or any other language. They can't communicate verbally. So mm. they're doing things to communicate otherwise. Yeah, and a lot of times it's discomfort. It's more like yes. they're not feeling yes. good. And I, another joke I always crack out is like when my friends get new boyfriends or new partners... And they're like, oh, they hate, they, like my cats, they hate my boyfriend. So he or she does X, Y, Z. And I don't, is your boyfriend really that hateable? Yeah, <laughs> right. exactly right. What I meant is, did he, instead of thinking your cat is the evil one, which he or she may or may not be, but then have you reflected on what your boyfriend did first to deserve it in the first place? Yes. You have to look at, it's a multi-layered situation. In my work, I actually have to look at, without getting too intrusive or invasive, also the relationships in the household itself, but between mm. the people, the parents, or the humans, so to speak, because oftentimes it can be reflective of that as well. So how is the relationship with the partner, the boyfriend, the husband, or the wife with the cat? So you've got to divulge a little bit into that as well. 
Oh, completely agreed. I have a friend who really likes cats, but she overreacts every time she sees one. So she always ends up scaring them. I'll give oh, you an no. example because she naturally have a really high pitched voice. So not like mine, but her voice is very high pitched. And when she gets excited, it's even more high pitched. It's like, oh, no. and she would hold it. So that to the cats, it sounds like she's screaming. So every time she comes to my house, my cats would just run. They would hide up there and their ears would be back. I'm like, I think it's your voice. She's like, how is that even possible? I'm so happy. I'm so happy to see them. I'm like, I'm not saying you're not happy, but they, that pitch to them hurts their ears you're when yeah. you're that excited the volume and the pitch in combination and they're 14 times better than us hearing it may or may not be a good experience and she's like really like let's try it so she started yeah. to lower her voice and to talk closer to mid-tone mm -hmm. went away yeah tone of voice really matters so this is where the unlike the differences with canines as well as they love that they get excitable about it and a cat is both prey and predator. So they're always on alert with their environment. So if anything is abrupt, being the volume of voice or body language, they're going to retreat. Mm. Completely. So, so think of compassion and they've got strong boundaries too. So it's always good to and have them give you consent, so to speak. So I'm glad that your friend was able to turn that around because cats are great and I would hate for them to run away from me. Yeah, sometimes I always tell my friends that come over, I'm like, okay, my theory may not be right, but let's just give it a go and see what happens. And for the most part, it usually works. Even sometimes um, my niece and nephew, they come over when they were younger. I'm like, please, no quick movements. And if you do, and if you try to grab them, you know, that's at your own risk. And before you know mm -hmm. it, they got scratched because they scared somebody, right? And I'm like, yeah. do not, like, do not cry. Please apologize yeah. to the cat because I debriefed you already. You did this. You knew I'm the gonna... risk. So I made them yeah. apologize. Yeah, yeah, have them sign a waiver. Yeah, because some cats can be defensive and that's not going to be good. Or others can see, or see a flight and hide. So mm -hmm. you don't know quite what you're going to get. So it's good for us to be able to speak for our cats before our friends or company comes over. So there's no, uh, no incidents. Oh, definitely. I think sometimes I should put a sign at my door. And yeah. Say, Enter at your own risk. If you don't follow the that. protocols, they won't attack you out of nowhere. But if you did some yeah. of the following, then mm -hmm. hard to say. Yeah. <laughs> so here's another, yeah. I guess, another joke that I hear is that some people say, oh, the cats are, aren't trainable. It's the humans that you train. I'm like, that's really funny. That's funny. And it's kind of true at the same time. In my yeah. perspective, going back to some of the stuff that we said, we have to break through the human barrier. But what do you think about that? Do you think there's an element of truth in that as well? I think it's if you go back to us as little children too, we need to learn things. We have a teacher, we have someone who essentially trains us and that allows us moving forward in our life to, to be able to train others. So it's the same sort of aspect where we need to equip our people that understand cat behavior and training need to equip the cat parent with the tools mm. to be able to train the cat. I always think oftentimes when I train cats, they're training me as well. They're training me in many different aspects. It's so rewarding. And they know patience and also communication and affection. And I find it, it's really great to break through that barrier. So I do definitely do think that cats are 100% trainable, maybe not in the same way that canines might be, but with a reward system, they're definitely trainable for sure. Yeah. I, it's I beneficial agree. to both us and them. I agree. I yeah, think... it's good for everything, even medications, carrier training, you name it. So not fun, both for fun and for really very important events in their life. No, definitely. I think the thing that I have to set the record straight for a lot of people, including my old self, is there's an element of, I guess, ego. And also there's this derogatory attachment to the term training. I'm like, what's wrong with training the human? Like when we go to work, we get work-related training and you're not opposed to that. But suddenly when we take our cats or dogs like to the trainer or especially dog trainer, they said that the human has to go and we have to be part of the training. And suddenly yeah. we get all defensive. I was like, why? <laughs> there's nothing. There's, it's pretty neutral, that term it in itself. And when it comes to- mm -hmm training, the first thing that people think of is either, oh, you can't train cats, or they start to yeah. think about lions in a circus where you're making them jump through like a fire hoop. Right. I'm like, no, that is not what we're doing. So I just yeah, have to set absolutely. the record straight for that. Yeah, it's so enriching too. We can't, people often got cats a long time ago because they figured dogs could be high maintenance. They've got to take the dogs out for walks. They didn't have the time. So they figured they would get a cat that can just sit around, look out the window for 20 years, but that's not the case. We've learned so much since then. 
and that we need to enrich them both physically and mentally and build relationships this way with them as well. And it just gives them a better quality of life overall, us and them. Oh, definitely. And I say this to a lot of the cat parents out there, especially the ones that decide to get one cat. And they think that they're very low maintenance. When those two things are present in the conversation, I always tell them, I'm like, okay, even if you don't live in an apartment like Hong Kong, but most of us, we probably spend a lot of our waking hours at work. And when you come home, you're sleeping for most of that time. And how yeah. much do you, how much quality time do you really spend not scrolling on your phone, not doing other stuff, not sleeping, but with your cat? Probably not that much. And if they don't have a partner, if they're not stimulated, they're pretty bored. And all they do every day is like they're waiting for you to come back just for that few oh, minutes yeah. of interaction. That's yeah. not a great life. Like I, no. I sometimes ask them that. Yeah. Or they're looking for something they can get into the normal, natural cat behaviors. Mm. So they're trying to find different outlets and yeah. that's where sometimes they can get them in a little bit of trouble. Oh yeah, of course. And I always say, if you're the only source of companionship and entertainment, where else are they going to look for it? I even hear some pet parents say, or cat parents specifically, they said, oh, I'm not going to get another cat. I'm like, why not? Is it, is it, did you think it's harder? Some people say it's harder, but in reality mm. it is easier, but it's not that they're like, oh, they're not going to cling on to me anymore if I get a second cat. I'm like, wait, so you know that they're clinging on to you because they don't have a choice. Isn't that kind of selfish? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in some cases, getting another cat is better. We, again, there's going to be a process to see if the resident kitty is good with another cat. Right. Some are better off alone. So there's another, that's a whole of other course. story. But, yeah. but of course, I think from my experience, most of them can do better with a buddy. Of course, there's always exceptions oh, yeah. when those are complete loners. They're better off alone, just like people. Mm -hmm. right? But generally mm -hmm. speaking, I think we're communal animals. And another thing is, what are some other things, in your opinion, that cat pairs often overlook when it comes to cats okay. in distress or in discomfort? We touched onto it earlier mm -hmm. that some things were a sign of distress and yeah. we just can't yeah. pick it up. So can you tell us Absolutely. what are some of the common ones? I guess in the, one big one would be they're not dedicating the time to get to know their pet or their cat. They need to be able to, whether it be play or feeding time, they don't realize the cat perhaps is not as active as it used to be or retreating more and hiding more because they're not home or they're not giving the cat the time and attention it needs. They don't notice that difference. They think, oh, the cat's always hiding. Perhaps the cat's not eating as much or eating too much. Those are big things. Inappropriate elimination is a big one for me as well, especially when cats get older, let's say approximately seven years or older. Mm. I think it's something like 18 to close to 40% of cats develop kidney issues without proper veterinarian checkups. So this can result in urinating outside the litter box. Mm. So I think they really overlook their yearly checks and going in or in a senior's case, going twice a year for a senior wellness check. They just overlook a lot of these changes and they can be so subtle. Cats are really good with hiding pain. Um, if a cat's hiding and no longer wants to interact, that's a big red flag. Oh, of course. And they overlook it and thinking, well, you know, I've had a long day at work or perhaps they just had company and the cat's scared. So the cat's hiding and they brush it under the rug. From yeah. my experience, it's something I've heard. So there's a lot of things that can be overlooked as, again, it goes back to being spiteful or perhaps the cat's in a bad mood today or petting aggression, a cat's in pain from arthritis and they don't consider it. So they think the cat is mad at them and just wants to lash out. So there's a lot of things that can be overlooked. I think it's really important to be in tune with your cat and get to know them at every stage in their life and really engage like for yourself with that beautiful enrichment you have behind you. It's good to have these things with our cats. I have them as well with my three. And if all of a sudden one day they just don't want to jump up anymore, that's a telltale sign that perhaps they're feeling some discomfort. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to set these things up for them to set yourself and the cat up for success. So you know when there's changes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think that that logic that you just mentioned, it's like a good boss or a good superior at work. You know how there's some bosses when you do something wrong or something big happened in your life, say a family member just passed away. Of course, you're going to be in a bad mood and then your performance goes down, you're missing work. So instead of yelling at you, a sympathetic, understanding yes. boss would try to ask you or sit down with you and ask, hey, what's going on in your life? Instead of just roasting you for why you're late for work, I think there's a commonality there. Sometimes a lot of us just jump right into what they did without trying to understand why they did it. So sometimes yeah. just having that little bit of empathy just goes a long way, wouldn't it? 
Absolutely. Well, it's just like a teacher in school, going back to teachers with children, for example. Mm. They would reach out to the parent and say, look, maybe perhaps the grades are slipping a little bit. There's something that we need to focus on or pay attention to without jumping to the, without really trying to divulge on what the cat's trying to communicate and what's going on. I think they deserve that. It, it's really good to, to just try to figure out and get down to somewhat of their level and try to put yourself in their position. I think that's mm. really important. Absolutely. And one last thing that I want to add to that is every time when I do something with them, I always try to put a practical element into it because I'm like, I like to multitask and I like to turn practical things into just fun and games. So for some of my cats, I know that they're prone to dental issues. So every now and then I know no matter how good the brushing is, I know that with a few of my cats, there's Carlos, one of my black cats. He's right here. He can see his butt. Yeah, I can get him wandering around back there. So with one of his tooth, Every now and then there would be like like a minor case of gingivitis that I'll have to focus much more on in the brushing to get rid of it. And how I can tell is when I'm petting him because he likes to be pet around his cheek area. And when I do that, I sometimes like to feel like his cheek and his gums to see if he's avoiding me just to make sure yeah. that he's not in pain. And before you know it, periodically, I when I do that and I'm like, oh, nope, this guy's avoiding me. I'm like, oh, it's about time to go heavier on the brushing. Well, yeah, that's why it's so important to have a routine. That's what I do as well with my cats, although they don't, they're young and healthy right now. I'll do mm. a body scan. So if whether it be, you know, grooming time or brushing time, I'll make sure that I take the brush away and I do a proper body scan, check for any lumps or what have you. And it's good to do this on a regular basis, yes. just like any other routine to see if there's any changes. And like you said, if there's any flinching or movement or hissing, or if we don't do that and we surprisingly find it one day, it's jarring for both us and the cat. And that's where, again, where it can turn into a behavior issue. And then mm -hmm. they're not really thinking about the real reason, but rather trying to, let's say, discipline or it bruises the relationship. So Definitely. Without, yeah, yeah. Definitely. And another thing, now that you mentioned that, I remember since I was in high school, when they were promoting about breast cancer awareness, they were saying yeah. breast self-examination is better than going to get yourself scanned every year because a lot can change in a year, especially when you get older, but you see your body every day. So when yes. you're feeling for what is normal and what is not normal, you yourself mm -hmm. knows best. And chances are, if you do it on the regular, then you'll be yeah. able to pick up some abnormalities pretty fast, if anything. Yeah. So I thought yeah, that was the same logic, right? It's the same exact logic and cats don't have the ability to do that for themselves. The only reason they'll let us know is when it probably progressed hmm. or I don't want to say too late, but it's progressed to the point where it needs to seek medical attention. Mm -hmm. So it's good to keep up on it and get it early. Absolutely. And rule of thumb, don't delay any treatment. If in doubt, just go straight to the vet. Like usually delay treatment. It's one of the worst things that you can do for That's any doing doing is so small. Well, yeah, that's why it's so big in the consulting world is that we always require that they get a veterinarian health clearance prior to modifying or even looking at any behavior. We want to make sure that the health check is clear and there's no underlying issues that are going on that are causing changes in the cat. So it's really important. Oh, definitely. Going back to the problematic behaviors, what are some things that potential or new cat parents need to bear in mind when having a cat just to manage or give them healthy expectations. The reason why I say that is because a lot of times we have these misconceptions about cats or we have this wrong attribution and we call it just problematic behavior. It may not be. So let's uh -huh. maybe try to debunk some of these things. The yeah. first thing is cats are small dogs. No, they're not small dogs. They're completely different species. They've got different needs and wants. They communicate differently. So they're not small dogs. They're cats. And cats, right. you know, do cat things. And there's a lot of different things that they'll do that we need to provide for them to exhibit their natural behaviors. So it didn't become problematic. Exactly. And nutrition-wise, it's very different as well. Now, cats are low-maintenance no, they need just as much care and attention and love as any other domesticated species. They, I think that a lot of times we think that they're low maintenance because they can be independent and they like to have their own space and time is why I love cats because I am like that as a person as well. Mm. But they're not low maintenance. They need the same health care. They need a nutritious diet. They need grooming. They need their teeth brushed, as you mentioned. Mm. They need interactive play. They need to be able to tap into their hunt and seek behaviors. 
they're not low maintenance and you can't just throw them a toy. I'm really big on with interactive play and bonding with your pet. You just can't throw them a toy thinking that they're going to keep, keep themselves busy and that's going to be it. Not at all. Obviously, it's a gap. I've learned since when I was a kid, that's what I once thought until I started having cats when I was older. I was like, nope, not true. Now, the next one, cats are flying ninjas. I guess that's a hyperbole, but what do you think? Cats are flying ninjas. They are, and I love it so much. Like your, your kitty in the background there, they love jumping up. They love being high. The reasons these are is because they're prey predator animals. They love to be up on the floor, survey their, survey their environment. They like to be close to ceilings because, mm. you know, no, no predator can come from above and get them. So they'll be climbing. If you don't provide for them the, the natural outlets to do this, as you and I both have, then they're probably going to climb your couches and ruin your furniture. Or door darting is another big one as well. They can oh, be yeah. stealthy in that respect. And they do get the zoomies. Yep. So it is a natural surge of energy that they need to release. And they don't have, a, they're not good with their longevity, but they like to be able to get it out in a couple of minutes and they'll be, ter not terrorizing, let's say, but running around and ripping up your floor because they're speed demons. You actually just mentioned something very important. Door dashing. In Hong Kong, we all, most of us, unless we're super rich, we all live in apartments, skyscrapers. So our apartment buildings can go up to like 80 floors and that's oh, yeah. pretty high up. So a lot of yeah. new cat parents have this misconception or sometimes even when they live with family members, they think that, oh, I just opened it for half a second. Come on. I didn't expect them to dart out that fast. How could it? I did. And then the next thing you know is they say it because the cat ran, just flew out the window. And I always yeah. tell people, you can't afford to have even half a second of that. They're much faster than you. They are flying ninjas. That's what I call them. So do not yes. think you can beat them when it comes to opening and closing that window. If they want to beat you, they will beat you. And that's yeah. something we can't yeah. afford to even have once. Oh, yeah. And they're slippery. I cat sit as well. And I'm pretty well, I'm pretty, pretty trained on when I'm opening the front door and living downtown, a lot of buildings as well. Myself, I'm in a condo. So you've got to really be careful. You've got to, you've got to think ahead and be prepared. Even though they might not be, you've always got to set yourself up to be prepared. Don't even give them the opportunity because they'll be gone. Yeah. And so that's why it's also really important in apartments to be able to provide for them what is way more fun inside our places than what they can access outdoors. Again, enrichment, environmental enrichment, training, all mm -hmm. that fun stuff for them and food, obviously. So they know where to go because mm -hmm. there's nothing outside for them or at least they should feel that way. Totally. And another one is a part of us need to let cats be cats. Yes or no? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. 100%. If you love cats, and that's why we have cats, is because we love how cats are being cats. And again, it's also providing for them. I'll go back to that all the time. People often get upset about the cats ripping up their furniture, for example. If you don't provide them additional outlets to do that, then they're going to be cats and they're going to sharpen their claws and spread their pheromones on your furniture. So I think it's absolutely better to let cats be cats. I would, I would not be happy if somebody wouldn't let me be me. So mm. you've got to also put it back to yourself and flip the script a little bit. Yes. And why is the cat doing this? And maybe engage with them in their cat behavior. That's what's so fun about it. Completely Healthy agree. Yeah. Yes. But can, now that you mention it, can you maybe tell us a little bit more about what constitutes normal cat behavior? I know it's a really broad question, but for new cat parents, I think it's good to have some guideline or at least to guide them to yeah. think in the direction that some things, I was guilty of that when I was young, is that I thought that what was so evil for the cats to do was absolutely normal for them. For example, clawing my sofa or my curtains, that's clawing is pretty normal, but it's not yeah. Okay. It's not nor it's it is normal, but just not okay for us. So can you give us more yeah. examples like that? Yeah, you have to remember as well, cats are living in our world. They didn't create this indoor space. So it's really important that we provide for them these things for them to do for their natural behaviors. And a lot of them, like I mentioned before, is climbing. They want to be up high. So cat mm. trees, posts, wall installations or what have you. Cats get bored easily. They're relatively nocturnal if they're not well, especially if they're not getting um yeah. They're not getting met with their activities during the day. At night, they can get a little inquisitive or curious. So it's important to try and set the environment up so they can go out and explore their hunt and seek behavior, for example. Eating, another important thing for me is resources. You want to be sure, in my case, I always spread the food out to many different locations. So it's not always in the same place at once. So they can use their little minds and exercise their brains to hunt and seek for their food or their water sources when it's time. 
letting them, them work. It. That's what they say, right? Yeah, yeah, it sounds cruel, exactly right. but that's Thank what they you. want. That's what they want. It keeps them, it's in their natural behaviors outside. They're consistently almost, what is it? I don't know for sure. Maybe 70% of their waking moments are hunting and seeking for mice, for example. Not that they're always hungry, but they do it because they don't know when they're going to get their next meal. Mm -hmm. So they're just geared, engineered toward wanting to always hunt and seek for food. So it exercises them physically and mentally. It's great for them to have that to engage with. Yeah. And I think, as I mentioned before, we often apply human logic to cats. Oh, that's so cruel. Why would you want to torment them like that? I'm like, I'm not tormenting them. That's part of their nature. I'm giving them exactly what they want. So I think that's something that new cat parents have to understand. Yeah, yeah. And that's human logic as well, right? Like, I don't want to have to hunt for my meal as a person or a human. <laughs> I just, that's just not, that's just not how we are engineered. Whereas cats, they love doing that. It's a reward for them too when they do that. They feel satisfied afterwards. Mm, Satisfaction of the cat is what I call it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And in addition to that, some people are like, oh, I spent so much money. I got all the luxurious stuff. I'm like, I don't think cats really see the luxurious stuff the way that we see it. Often I say you get them something so cool. They're interested in the bag or in the box. Even if you yep. painted your walls, I don't know, whatever color, it makes no difference to them. It's just a wall. <laughs> no. Yeah. I, and I actually get more more excited about my deliveries from certain places because I'm getting a box for the cats. Again, it all goes back to being able to figure out what your cat likes, paying close attention. Some cats might want a vertical scratching some, or vertical or horizontal. Because I do have clients and even friends that will say, I just bought this beautiful cat post for my cat. The cat has scratch on it. Oftentimes it's too little, so the cat doesn't have the ability or knocks it over or maybe doesn't prefer the vertical, but wants horizontal. So, Actually, you know, it's good to should... figure it out. So you mentioned about the scratching post, how sometimes they're, did you say too small? So what's yeah. that? Yeah, oftentimes I come across just friends or myself, even before I knew better and clients will often say that they invest in, in vertical scratching posts for their cats. And mm. sometimes they can be pretty pricey. So they don't, they're hesitant on getting other in environmental items for the cats. And they think I just invested this much money for this and the cat doesn't use it. I think it's really important to do education prior some people will think that a, a little scratching post is good enough for a cat that might stand a couple of feet high when they're stretched out. And they mm. don't give them the ability to stretch is why they want to scratch vertically or horizontally, shed their claws or mark their pheromones. Yeah. So if it's not big enough or sturdy enough for them, they'll ignore it. Completely Some cats for sure. Yeah, completely ignore it. I think it's always really good to give them a buffet of anything to see yes. what they prefer. Yes. Yeah. So it could be anything from food to litter to litter boxes, for example, or scratching. Because when you get a cat, unless you don't know if they want to scratch vertically, being mm -hmm. up high or horizontally on the floor. So mm -hmm. if you notice that your cat's using your couch a lot on the arm of the couch, then probably vertical. But mm. if your cat is scratching your floors or your carpet, then probably prefers vertically. Yeah. And if and some cats prefer both. Yeah. Or if they're keep reverting to your couch, then chances are whatever you have for them is not that appealing. Absolutely. You got to figure it should be probably about, I would guess, two feet higher than them. And it's got to have a sturdy base. So they yeah. feel secure when they're scratching it. I wouldn't want to lean against the post to rest and then feel like I'm going to fall over. That wouldn't give me a lot of security. But that's the funny thing. I was doing a commentary on some of the, what I call stupid items on Amazon. And I was like, oh, who will make some of these things? I think some of them are just so cringeworthy. That's a topic for another day, but I'm just going yeah, to rant a little bit. It's the formal yeah. items that people make. What is it? The knitted cat beds? I'm like, dude, that's just all threads and strings. Are you yeah, serious? Yeah, in it. Or hammocks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like real hammocks. I'm like, you think a cat is going to jump on a hammock? You know the ones where yeah. there's only two points? Like the ones yeah. that we tie between a tree? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, that, that spells danger for them. If they jump yeah. on it once, yeah. chances yeah. are they're not going to go back. Oh, no, they feel vulnerable. They feel vulnerable. It goes back to play predator and cats like the stability. Some cats don't like being picked up for that reason. Somebody wants a cuddly cat that they can carry around and they wonder why the cat always wants to get away. First of all, maybe it didn't give you consent. One of my three just doesn't like to, unless she has her feet on solid ground. Mm. Yeah, and it's all about getting to know your cat and their preferences. Yep. Oh, com completely. Yeah, they like, yeah. you, you know, um, there's some cute videos that get a lot of views on YouTube and it's so cringeworthy. There's this one. It's like a hammock that you string your cat's 
arms and legs through these holes in a piece of cloth. And then they hang the cat up. So it's up in the middle of the air and they make it so easy that you can clip their nails. I'm like, wait, if your cat lets you do that, it's not a difficult cat already. Why would you need that thing? And the difficult ones won't even use it. Or it it instilled fear in them. And that's where I come into fear-free, force-free. That's really important for me. And I'm huge on consent. I want to work toward getting the cat's consent to do these things because it's rewarding for me and them as well. And it just helps. It helps the relationship. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You see there's your cat. Yeah, I love it. I'm a little jealous. Why not sleeping? I told them to be quiet for this. (laughs) (laughs) But I always tell like my clients and also the people who's adopting or rehoming or helping foster the cats. I'm like, cat lovers specifically are hopeless romantics. If they're not acting the way that we want to, it's expected. And if they do, even by a little sliver, they were like, oh my God, did you see that? The cat just looked at me. Whereas other pet parents, they'll be like, what do you mean? It's like my dog comes here when I tell him to. I'm like, no, 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 no. We're just hopeless. Yeah. Did you ever see those memes that go around with the skeleton in the meme and the cat's on the lap? And it's supposed to say that as soon as our cat sits on our lap, we can't move. Whether it be the restroom or grab a bite to eat or even answer the door because we just want that brief moment where they're on our lap because it's so nice. Yep. But whereas yeah. a lot of dog parents, for example, they'll be like, what do you mean? That happens all the time. So I'm just coming yeah. to Rocky. I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Surprisingly, like in my volunteer, mostly I've had people that adopt or rescue a cat from the, the rescue. And if the cat's not cooperating with them, quote unquote, and that they can't cuddle or a cat won't sit next to them or on their lap, they want to relinquish. So it's a whole other conversation that goes into that and trying to help them understand the differences they're not all alike, or perhaps they're, they lost a cat and they, they've adopted a new cat that they want to be exactly like the other, not realizing that they have personalities just like us. They're not all going to be the same. And that would be boring. Of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, and we're not, and that, that's one thing that I always tell people not to do. I'm like, there's something wrong with mourning. Don't just go buy or adopt another cat right away after yours got ran over by a cat. So instead, maybe think about how to prevent that from happening instead of just getting another one. Like, hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely cringeworthy. So another thing I want to ask you is, do you want to share a little bit about some of the case studies that you've had? Because I think it's not very common that pet parents knew or existing cat parents that we hear a lot about what happens with the cat behaviors and some of the stuff that you encounter. So maybe for two things, one, just so that we can get a peek in terms of what it is that you do exactly. And number two is how can we better help you help us when we're going to cat behavior? So it's like a two-part problem. Yeah, absolutely. I have a recent case that I thought about sharing with you just because it covers in a lot of what we've already talked about, Mm. successful case. And there was a couple different reasons for that. Approach usually are not used, but always I have a client coming to me, either it's a phone call or via email. I'll send out a history form and have them fill out some basic information on their cat, what their concerns are, their last health check, et cetera. In this case, it was a mother with a young child. The young child was four. She just turned five. What I really respected was that the mother took some time. She didn't jump on it right away. I love when cat moms really get an idea of what, what's entailed with correcting or modifying these behaviors before they decide to move forward with it. Mm. They want to know what investment it is. And in this case, she did. It took her about a month and a half to decide that she wanted to work with me after I'd given her some insight on, you know, what, what I felt needed to happen moving forward. And this was a case of aggression where the little girl learned how to walk and she was starting to run around and play with her toys and didn't have the ability to realize that loud sounds, like we mentioned with your friend earlier on, or abrupt movement would scare the cat. So we had to look at multiple different things here being the environment. Is the cat secure in the environment? Is there a lot of high spaces or places for the cat to retreat? So we had to start modifying the environment, first of all. And But the mother was really receptive. And I, lo and behold, she's a teacher. Oh, so she was, yeah, so she was really good at being able to learn. She was open to learning and she wanted the best for her daughter as well. She wanted the cat to stop running around and attacking the little one's legs when the little one was running around. Environmental enrichment, also open line of communication where we were, we had a one hour consultation video and multiple follow-up phone calls, multiple emails, a lot of resources and videos where she was open to watching them. She had any questions, nothing was a silly question. I always told her, please ask me anything you need to. And she was open to doing that. So it was success in the end and that she continued to do 
the work that was needed to be done behind closed doors or when we weren't actually corresponding to the point right now where the five-year-old has actually learned how to give a cue for the cat to sit and give high fives. But a big component of this also from what we went on was that she didn't realize the cat being 10 years old was also suffering from pretty bad arthritis. So if a little one had been throwing toys around or perhaps it got too close, the cat got into survival mode and would lash out. So it was also something she overlooked too. That Mm. was an important factor in it. And why that helped so much is because when I saw videos or pictures of the cat prior to our consultation, I saw, I compare with the feline grimace pain scale, I saw Mm. moderate to, I saw pretty moderate, high, high or moderate discomfort in the cat. So once Mm. we understood that was one of the motivators and we got that under control. So I think it all just really comes down to being open-minded, you know, coming to me for help and support and just being able to just be trust in the process. And yeah. Yeah. Cause I think what's very important is that sometimes as a client or a patient, even when we go to medical professionals, we're not educated that much in the area of how to better help other people help us. We just automatically think I'm a paying person. I come in, I give you money, you give me a time and you're going to solve the problem. But it's mm-hmm. usually not like that. It's a lot more complex than that. I wish world, the yeah. world was that simple. So it would really help if even for myself, how, what smart questions can I ask? What homework can I do? What you mentioned one, just to have an open mind, to be communicative on it. And of course, I guess to document what what was done would help. Any other pointers you would have in cases like that when somebody comes to you for help? Like what did you hope or wish they would prepare more? So it makes your job easier. Well, what I hope that they prepare or help with, I think that like I would, after a phone call or a virtual consultation, I would send them my initial assessment. I'd mm. have them review it and then get back to me if they had any questions regarding that or elaborate on anything in particular in the initial assessment. I would usually, depending, there's usually resources involved, but I try and take a little bit of pressure off them. So if it, let's say, for example, inappropriate scratching or elimination, maybe I think that the litter box needs to be changed or the scratching posts or a surface needs to be different, I'll put the work in to alleviate some of their stress and anxiety by letting them know exactly where they can get it, set that up for them and just have them focus on the task at hand being the modification process that's been put in place for the particular behavior. Yeah, Um, that that makes a lot of sense because the reason why I was hoping that you would share that with us is because in, especially here in Hong Kong, the field of dog trainers are quite big. But cat behaviors is still not that strong. People often go to vets instead, but even that, it's some yeah. things, it, it may or may not be something that a vet can handle. It may not be their yeah. specialization. Right. To all the audience out there, I think us as the cat parents, just make sure that you have the homework done, that you have all the resources, just so that professionals can better help us would actually make the world a lot easier for everybody. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's why it's good to try and alleviate as much as possible. If they come to me, I want to be able to help them and have them just focus on the task at hand without getting too overwhelmed. Kind of like a veterinarian as well. Their task at hand is health. Whereas if they want to come to somebody who deals with behavior, then that's my sole task at hand and be able to focus on that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and just like a side note, when you mentioned that when you touched on vets, I watched a few videos and a few posts in other places where it was written by vets. People don't see the hard parts of being a vet or even a behaviorist or trainer. They often see them as in a lot of cases, especially when they paid the money, but then the animal died at the end when they take them to a vet. People would get so upset at the vet and they would usually negatively comment on them, not knowing the hardships that vets go through. I think it's similar in the world of animal behaviorists or dog trainers. The reason why I say that is because obviously you, all of you have more than one client in your whole entire career. And when you see multiple people throughout the day, throughout the month, depending on the turnover at a vet clinic or whatever, they may be dealing with somebody who had to be put down or somebody who had a really bad injury or somebody who decided to abandon their pet in another room or somebody who was abusing their pets. So I so now taking that to the behaviorist kind of world, you may or may not be dealing with something that is more or less mm-hmm. pleasant before and after that mm-hmm. consultation. Exactly so right. I think people have to understand that like we're like we're all here to help animals. 
Yeah. Of course, there's always bad apples in the industry. That's everywhere. Yeah. But we all mean, so please do have some understanding and some empathy, just knowing that we're all humans too, and we're here to help out. But because of the frequency of you seeing different cases, and generally mm -hmm. people don't see vets and behaviors if things are all jolly and happy. <laughs> It's usually not like that. So it's a very high yeah. stress job. Yeah. Next time you see your behaviorist, your dog trainer, your vet, please do give a big warm hug and a big pat on the back. It's not easy work. No, it's not. I try not to choose. You know, you can't choose the more severe cases over the less. They're all equally important. But unfortunately, sometimes that just spills into my, my day because there are some pretty intense ones where I'm literally trying to, uh, I can't convince anybody to do anything they don't want to do, but it might be a, somebody who's just willing to either euthanize or surrender their animal at that moment. So those need a lot of time and attention at that moment. So it's like a doctor as well. Same thing. People complain in the waiting room that their appointment is a little overdue, but perhaps that doctor is dealing with a yeah. case that really needs urgent attention at that moment. It's yeah. the same in our field as well. And a lot of them are attached with yeah. really sad stories too, very mm -hmm. just tragic. And of course, they, they can't say that to you. But I think yeah. we have to understand that it's not an easy job. So kudos no. to you all. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we're in it like you, like anybody else, even the pet parent to improve quality of life. The cat, obviously, and the pet parent as well. Yeah. Thank you so much for all you're sharing today. Lots to learn. Thank and you. looking at time, that's it for today's episode. I just yeah. want to say... I would love to invite you back again, just so that we can dig deeper in some of these topics and to actually expand more in the world of cat parenting. Thank you so much again, Krista, for being here and just sharing your sage advice, your knowledge with all of us. And I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. We'll be diving deeper into the fascinating world of feline behavior, feline care, and keep purring. And remember that understanding your cat's behavior is essential for developing a strong and a rewarding bond with them. So don't forget to tune in next time for all of our cat parents or prospective cat parents out there. And in the meantime, please remember to join our community in Discord and like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. Meow. See ya. Yeah. See ya.